John 8. You ready for this? We've, uh, we've been studying and working through John, and we probably have another six months or so left in John. And, uh, and I've absolutely loved this book. And, and really, here's how I would kind of present John. John is almost this, this mountain range where there are these massive truths that just scale so high and are so awe-inspiring that over and over and over again, you get to these peaks. But there are certain points in John that it seems like the peak just gets a little bit higher than the ones around it. And I think that that's the case with John 8, verses 31 through uh, uh, 41 this morning, that all of John is awesome. All of the Bible is awesome. But this particular section of Scripture is, is just amazing, and there's so much to glean. I wanted to cover the, the rest of the chapter today, but we're not going to do it. I couldn't do it. We're, we're just going to focus in on verses 31 to 41. So let's read these and then try to understand what this is talking about, because really what it's, what it's at at its core is freedom. And it's what is freedom and how do we get freedom? And Jesus is going to tell us exactly that. So John 8, look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So if you remember, uh, this goes all the way back to the beginning of chapter 7. This has been a long series of conversations in a span of about four or five days that Jesus has had with these people. So now he's kind of wrapping up the conversations and he says to them that believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know you're Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham's our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham, ye do the deeds of your father." Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. This is beginning to get a little dicey with the audience here, and we'll cover more of it next week, but this conversation, you can tell by the tone, is headed in such a way that they're uh, kind of throwing shade on Jesus' mother. We're not born of fornication, you know, where'd you come from, what'd your mom do? And, it, and it's starting to get real nasty, and we'll, we'll pick it up next week and see that. But the core of this, and the beginning of this, is Jesus talking about freedom, And he's not talking about political freedom. And I think even they recognize this. In verse 33, they say to him that that we're Abraham's seed and we've never been in bondage to any man. So how are you saying that we should be made free? Now, they can't be talking about political freedom here because they were conquered politically by the Babylonians and by the Greeks. And at this present time, they're being ruled over by the Romans. So they're picking up what Jesus is putting down, knowing that he's not talking about something that's political. He's talking about something that is more fundamental than political freedom. He's talking about personal freedom, moral freedom, spiritual freedom. And I say that this is more fundamental than political freedom because you can be free politically, yet be in bondage morally, spiritually, personally. We all know people that are American citizens, part of the land of the free, but are in bondage or are enslaved to or in the grip of 
their extravagance or their lust or their greed or their need for for power or pride or self-indulgence. Even in our own lives, we experience that some of, I know what it's like to be politically free, but yet I struggle to have personal or spiritual freedom. So what is it that Jesus is talking about here when he talks about this personal, moral, spiritual freedom? And I think that's an important question to ask because many people never entertain the question, what is this? What is freedom? Freedom is something that we celebrate just at large as Americans. It's one of the very few cultural core values that almost all Americans share in. No matter your party affiliation, no matter what region of the country you grew up in, no matter your ethnic background, almost all Americans love their freedom. I've mentioned this to you before, but we, uh, we generally, when we sing a song, if we like it, we'll clap or we'll cheer something at the end. We just did that with the choir song this morning that we're, we're praising, and that's awesome, and, and hallelujah for the cross. But when we sing the Star Spangled Banner, we don't wait till the end. There's, there's a stanza yet to come, but we erupt in praise and, 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 and celebration when we get to land of the free and we all go crazy and then home of the brave just kind of tapers off at the end. That's unusual. And it's unusual because it speaks into the idea that we love freedom and we celebrate that. But, but what is this? We love it. We like freedom of speech. We like Freedom of the press, we, uh, many of you would have the idea, or maybe even have a shirt or something, don't tread on me, Wait, don't oppress me, don't, don't step on me, because I'll bite you, because I want my freedom, and I don't want to be oppressed by anyone, but what are we talking about? I was walking into Panera yesterday around lunchtime to kind of put the finishing touches on today's sermon, and, and the guy in front of me that was walking through the door had on the back of his shirt, I don't know what the front said, but the back of it said, literally, freedom is dot, 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 the right to bear arms, George Washington. Now, I don't know if George Washington ever said that or not, but according to this guy, freedom was, you know, don't take my guns away. As long as I got my guns, as long as I got my ammo, then I'm free and, and everything will be good. But what does Jesus say? When we're talking about freedom, what are we talking about? And I think if we can answer two questions, we will understand what freedom is. So here's the two questions you got to answer. And you got to answer correctly if you want to accurately know what freedom is and to be able to wrap your head around this idea. So first of all, you have to answer the question, is freedom linked to performance or to position? Here's what Jesus says in verse number 35. He, he goes this route. <clears throat> He says that the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. And then he says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. What is Jesus doing here? He's saying very clearly that the servant or the slave, there's, there's no permanency there. And there's, there's no sense of this will be long lasting. And there's a bit of anxiety there. Whereas with the son, there is permanency. There is consistency. There's a forever nature to that. What he's saying is that a servant, or you could even say an employee, is going to be anxious because they're going to wonder, am I in the favor of the one who's in power? Have I done enough? Am I going to be cast out of the house? Is is the the one in power that I have the favor of, is that person in power going to change? And then that favor is going to disappear? That There's always that anxiety inside of the servant. But the son knows he belongs. The son won't be cast out. The son doesn't have to earn the favor. The son has peace of mind, peace of heart, and that is very freeing. 
to know that this isn't my performance or my what I'm trying to do to earn this, but this is something that has been gifted to me. It's a position that I have. I'll say it this way. The freedom that Jesus is going to talk about comes in Christ when you know that you belong to God and that you're one of His children. And you don't have to wonder, where am I at? Where is my standing with God? Does He care for me? Is He going to stiff arm me? Is He tired of me today? Have I done enough to to earn His smile now? Why don't you have to worry about that anymore? Because you're a family member. Because you're a son or a daughter. John started his gospel in verse number 12 of chapter 1 by saying that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And that sonship or that being adopted into the family is deeply important because it gives you a measure of freedom and peace in your heart and in your mind that if you were not a son and if you were not adopted into the family, you would never have. You would constantly worry. You would constantly be anxious. You would constantly be on the hamster wheel of trying to earn and trying to to get God's smile and trying to, did I do enough? And you would never actually know. But when you are a son, when you've received Jesus, you're not an employee. There's no quarterly review for you. There's no do this and do that and then we'll be good. But if you don't do this, then I won't love you anymore. No, he accepts you completely as a dear child. And if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. Why? The Son dies to destroy death, to destroy sin. He bridges the gap that you need bridge. He pays the price, as Matt mentioned. He he pays the toll. He goes in front of you. He, He takes what's between you and God, removes it so that you can be inside of the family of God. And now there should be something that's deeply freeing. You should be able to pillow your head at night and know I belong to God and God belongs to me. I am adopted. There's no worry here. Now when those voices of the past that come to you with the guilt and with the shame and they begin to haunt you and they begin to rear their heads and start to throw mud at you, what do you do with those voices? What do you do with the past that's coming at you? You turn on them and you tell them, I'm not an employee. This, this isn't up to me. This isn't my performance. This isn't what I did do or didn't do. This is quite the opposite. It's what, I, what Jesus did. And I'm not in jeopardy with God because of my poor, 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 poor performance. That's a mouthful. I'm not in jeopardy because of that. Actually, I've come to God with my poor performance. And he said, you know what? I'll take that and I'll remove that. You get the performance of Jesus. He's performed on your behalf. Now you are in the family. Now there's security there that I know Jesus paid the price and God doesn't require two payments. This isn't up to me. I don't have to do this anymore. And now all of the voices of hell can, can sneer at you and jeer at you and snarl at you. But I know that the power that swallowed up death and the power that swallowed up hell is in me and is for me. So my conscience is clear and I don't have to worry. That's position and that is freeing. That's far different than a servant. And true freedom in Jesus is inextricably linked to your position, not to your performance. And if you go the performance route, your duck soup, <laughs> it's over. You go the performance route of, well, I had a pretty good day yesterday. I haven't done it in three months now. And good for you if you haven't done it in three months, but if that's what you're anchoring yourself to, it will eat you up and you will never feel free. You will always wonder, was it enough? 
Did, did I perform good enough? Did I, did, what about my good? Does it outweigh my bad? You will always wonder and you will never be free. If you live by what the great theologian Rocky Balboa said, if I go 15 rounds with Apollo Creed, then I'll know I'm not a bum. That's what Rocky said. 15 rounds, I go the distance, then I'll know I'm not a bum. If that's how you live your Christian life, it will be terrible. Well, it's been 15 days reading my Bible. Now I know I'm not a bum. 15 weeks tithing in a row. Now I know I'm not a bum. It's been 15 months perfect attendance at church. Now I know I'm not a bum. If that's it, measuring and trying to perform in this little, you know, this ruler that you're constantly holding yourself to, you will be so far removed from what the gospel actually is and you will be so tired. Your soul will have bags under its eyes because you're constantly trying to work and you're constantly trying to perform and you're constantly trying to get God's smile on your life. But when you understand that that's not the way it is, I'm not a servant, I'm a son. The king of the cosmos chose me and adopted me and redeemed me and loved me and died for me and and cares for me that I have security there. That is freeing. That is is ultra freeing. So you have to know kind of what Jesus gets at when he talks about servant and sonship and what is this, that you know what, this is not linked to your performance. This is linked to your position. But you also have to ask yourself this question, which is perhaps the more important question. Is freedom doing what we want to do or is freedom doing what we're meant to do? And those are really the two choices. Is freedom doing what I want to do or is freedom doing what I was meant to do? Culture says it's what you want to do. That is the cultural narrative that's being spun up to so many of our young people. If you're, if you're a teenager in here, listen well. If you're in your 20s, listen well. Culture will scream at you that you should have freedom and freedom is awesome. So you should have complete autonomy and you should live and let live and no one has the right to tell you what to do and don't follow anybody's rules. Get rid of the limitations, get rid of the constraints, get rid of the rules, get rid of the boundaries. As soon as you do that, then the fewer you have, the freer you are. And as long as you don't hurt anybody, just get rid of all those and then you'll be free. And it's a lie. It's what you want to do, but it's a lie. Jesus says the opposite. He says, true freedom is doing what you're meant to do. And that's how he starts. He says in verse uh, 31 and 32, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. All right, work it backwards. Free, it ends with free, right? We want to be free. How? Know the truth. How do you know the truth? You're a disciple. How do I know if I'm a disciple? Continue in my word. What's continue in my word mean? Do what I say. Keep doing what I say. Here's what Jesus says. Do what I say, then you're free. You say, Pastor, um, I'm not a genius, but that kind of doesn't feel like freedom to me. Feels like I got a puppet master and I'm the puppet. And I just do whatever he says and I don't have my individual autonomy and I don't get to choose for myself what I want to do. That doesn't feel like freedom at all. Well, it's because you think of freedom as do what I want to do instead of do what I was meant to do. But true freedom comes when you do what you were meant to do. Let me, let me work this problem the other way. Let's suppose that you say, you know what? No, not convinced. Don't buy it. Nope. I'm going to do what I want to do. That won't work. It's broken. Because if you do what you want to do, which one of you? There's more than one of you in there. 
and the wants of you conflict with each other all the time. Try doing what you want to do, okay? I'll give you a, a silly example and I'll give you a more serious example. I want to have a healthy heart so I don't die of a heart attack when I'm 40 years old and I can see my grandbabies one day. I want to have stamina so that I can go to work, work a full day, go home, play with the kids, jump on the trampoline and not be tired at 10 o'clock in the morning. I want that. I desire that. But I also want chocolate. I love chocolate. I'm a sucker for it, especially dark chocolate. I have two wants that deeply conflict with each other. And I want them both. I want chocolate. I also want a healthy heart and, and to maintain my weight. And which one of those do I choose? Which one of those is freedom? Because I want both and I can't have both. Well, true freedom would be choosing what is in line with my body's design. If I choose what is in line with my body's design, I will have immediate and long-term freedom more than choosing what is not in line with my body's design. What? What am I saying? How was my body meant to be? If I choose that what's in line with that, that will bring me to real freedom. I'll give you a more serious example. And I, don't, I do not say this to conjure up memories or thoughts at all. But some of you have or you've known someone who has or, or did or uh, is about to uh, be in adultery. I've never talked to one person who had been close to that or was in that who didn't have a war going on inside. That said, one me wants to be a person of integrity, wants to keep my promises, wants to, wants to follow through on my word because I want people to do that for me. I, I want to be that person. I, I, I want that integrity. But then there's another me that something's being spun up on the inside here and, and the, the thrill of, of the cheat and doing what I'm not supposed to do is there and my wants are at war with each other. Same me, but there's different me's duking it out down there. Do what you want to do. What do you want to do? Which one do you choose? Here's the point. You, you can't be your own master. The idea of I'm just going to do what I want to do actually cannot happen because you, your wants, it's a seething cauldron that are just down there bubbling up and they, and they go on head-on collisions with each other. Ever play chicken in the, in the water in the pool as a kid where you get on each other's shoulders? When you play chicken, you don't chase each other around the pool. You run straight at each other. Your desires so often play chicken with each other and they collide with each other. And you trying to just have freedom by doing what you want to do won't work. How do you know what to choose? Well, in your body, it's real easy. I choose what's in line with how my body's designed. What about internally? What about spiritually? What about your soul? How do I choose what's in line with how my soul was designed? Body, easy. I go to the doctor. Doctor tells me, hey, do this. Cholesterol's high, whatever. What about my soul, though? How do I find that freedom? Personally, how do I know how my soul was designed? Well, that, now you're getting to the heart of it. Jesus says you find that freedom personally, morally, spiritually, the freedom that is far above political freedom that you need for your life. You find that in what? The truth. He says, know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So you want to know how you get this freedom? Truth. Okay. What's that mean? Truth. Who's truth? Well, if you, if you keep reading John's gospel, Jesus is going to tell you, in John 17, thy word is truth. He's going to tell him in John 14 that I am truth. 
that what Jesus is saying, and he really says it in this text too, continue in my word, that's truth. The son shall make you free, that's truth. That if you want to know how was my soul meant to be, that's what real freedom is, doing what I was meant to do. If you want to know how your soul was meant to be, you have to know the architect of your soul and you have to know the blueprint for your soul. You know the architect and you know the blueprint, you'll know what you were meant to do and you can find real freedom. That's what he's saying, more or less. You, you want to pursue that. You actually want freedom to come into your life. It's not performance. It's a position. It's something that you get via Jesus. It's not doing what you want. It's doing what you're meant to do and you have to know the architect and the blueprint. So here's the question. Here's the million dollar question. What you have to ask yourself, if you want freedom, it all boils down to this. I'll put it bottom shelf. Am I willing to upgrade from self-rule to savior, you rule? That's the question. You can boil this whole text down to that. Am I willing to upgrade from self-rule? I do what I want. I call the shots. I'm in charge. I know what's best for me. I'm the architect of my own life. I'm the master of my own fate. Are you willing to upgrade from that that doesn't work, it's broken, to savior, architect, you have the blueprints, you know it, you rule. Say, I like my self-rule. I like doing whatever I want. You'll never be free. You'll never be free if you pursue just, just what you want. Just what my desires are. And one of the myths of, of our culture is that you can have no other master but yourself. And you can rule yourself and you'll be a good master to yourself. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Freedom is having the right master and you can't be the master to yourself. This is really what these people were faced with. If you look at verse 33, they tell them, are you telling us we need freedom? We're free. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You commit sin, you're the servant of sin. You're not actually free. You're not able to take yourself in hand and do what you want all the time. There are desires lurking down there that trump what you should do and what you want to do. And there's something that rules you. You don't rule yourself. No one does. And that's anti-cultural. But no one rules themselves. If you try to rule yourself or live for something other than Jesus, you'll have a master that you don't want. It'll turn into a tyrant. Say, okay, I'll figure it out then. And this is, where, this is where a lot of our young people, a lot of our college people are at, is okay, then I'll figure it out. Then I will pursue at all costs absolute independence then. I will pursue the idea that I have no master and, and that will be above everything else. I'll just make sure that no one rules over me. The pursuit of no master will be your master. Like you can't win. You can't play that game and win. Pursue I'm my own master. No one tells me what to do. I have no rules. I, I call my own shots. I have my own schedule. You'll never be able to be vulnerable. You'll want a real relationship, but you'll never have a real relationship because having a real relationship means that you're going to have to put them first and that you're going to have to surrender some of your own autonomy and control in order to have a relationship with them. And you can't do that. So the master will actually limit you from having that. You'll end up being your own tyrant and you'll tell yourself, I'm fine. I can handle this. I don't need anybody. But it'll drive you to be lonely and that will take more from you than it gives to you. You can't win at that game. No one's able to be their own master. You have to say, you know what? I'm surrendering the, that idea. I'm letting go of that. I don't know what's meant for me. I don't know what's best for me. And I'm giving that to Jesus. And Jesus says, if I'm not your Lord, you are not free. 
If you're not continuing my word, if you're not my disciple, if I'm not over you, then you don't have freedom. And the, the tricky part of all of this is that it's so different than how we celebrate our political freedom. We just had a month ago, right? Today's August 4th, July 4th. What? Independence Day, 4th of July. The day we achieved self-rule. We said, get off our back, Great Britain. We're our, we're our own thing. France, thank you for that Statue of Liberty. Pop it up there. We're going to rule ourselves, right? That's, that's, an, that's an American ideal that we hold to. Whether we should or shouldn't is a whole other conversation. But we, we love this idea, right? Independence Day, our own autonomy, our self-rule. But to be a Christian, to experience personal freedom, it has to be Dependence Day. You've got to relinquish self-rule. You've got to let go of that and say, no, 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 no. I can't do this on my own. Jesus, you, you get to rule. I continue in your word. I do what you say. So then I'm your disciple because then I have the truth and the truth is going to make me free. You say, man, that kind of sounds paradoxical. Yeah, it does. That's the way it works. Are you, this is the question. Are you willing to upgrade from I rule myself to Jesus, you get to be in control? And if you'll do that, you'll understand you'll be free. So this, this is not a drag, all right? This, God could have designed it that way where he's like, hey, I died for you, do what I say, it's your duty, the end, suck it up. But he didn't. He designed it in such a way that this is awesome, that this is freeing, that this is life-giving, that this is something that is not repressive, it's not foolish, it's not, it's not a drag, it's not dull, it's not boring, it doesn't bind you. It's actual freedom, it's something that is good. It's an upgrade. I'll give you a, a, a story and we'll close with that. Some years ago, I was probably 14 or 15, probably early 2000s. I'm, you know, eighth, ninth grade, something like that. And me and some buddies went to an amusement park, kind of like a Kennywood. And uh, we went to a Six Flags. And uh, we paid and we, you know, riding roller coasters and that sort of stuff. But there was one of those additional rides on the side that you have to pay extra money for. It was one of those things that's a big A-frame. And you, and you get like three of you harnessed into almost like this belly down kind of bed thing. And this big A-frame, it pulls you way up and then it lets you go like 150 feet and you do this massive swing. So we paid the money, they talked me into it. We, you know, got on the ride and, and we're nervous as all get out. And my buddy Tim is, my mom's gonna kill me, my mom's gonna kill me. And we're, you know, we're having fun, but we're going up, 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 up. And I expected it to be a thrill. But it surprised me at how thrilling it was because when, they, when we pulled that cord and it released us, I, I expected a big swing. But it was like a second and a half of free fall. And then the tension hit that cord and then we started the big swing. But that free fall caught me off guard. And it was, it was exhilarating. Like it was really cool. You know, the biggest free fall you get is climb up 10 feet and jump off the playground or something when you're a kid. And that's real short lived. But this was, you know, a second and a half, two seconds solid, a free fall. And we got done with that. I said, guys, that was awesome. I want to go skydiving. Like that was the day I decided I want to skydive. I want free fall for two minutes solid. Like two seconds was not enough. So I, for junior high, high school, told my parents, told a lot of people, I want to go skydiving, told my wife, I want to go skydiving. And eventually, right before we moved here to, uh, to Pennsylvania, she bought me for my birthday about five years ago, skydiving. So I, I got my you know, ticket or whatever it was and showed up in Irwin, California, this place, beautiful day. And here I am, this day, 
I'm going to free fall. I'm going to have an adrenaline rush. And it is an adrenaline rush, let me tell you. And I'm going to have this, this experience that this is going to be so awesome that I'm just going to fall through the sky, right? But I found out that day that if I wanted to free fall, I had to put a lot of constraints on me. I had to sign away like my life, right? In the event that I die, my wife will not sue you. My children will not sue you. My dog will not bark at you. <laughs> you got to sign it all away. You, I expected a backpack. Like, you know, you think parachute, like backpack, right? Is that how it's in the movies? You have to jump out of a plane. They're like, you know, one clip and they just jump or something. That thing's like a harness. It's a yoke. You step in your feet. It's on your thighs. It's on your chest. It's on your back. Like you are harnessed in. You have to trust yourself to gravity and say, you know what? I've, I relinquish myself. The law of gravity takes over. I, ha- I had to surrender a lot in order to be free, essentially, to fall through the sky. And if you want to be free, it may feel like suicide of the will. It may feel like, you know what? I, I want to call my own shots. I get why you would want to, to feel that way, but I'm telling you, it is an upgrade. It is, it is the right of your life now, if you say, I don't want that because I'm a homebody and, and I, you know, I don't want an adventure. Okay, I can relate with that a little bit. But there's also peace and there's position and, there, and there's security that's there as well. But it is thrilling. It's an upgrade. It's, it's joy. It is, Jesus put it this way, it's freedom. It is freedom to say, self, you're not calling the shots anymore. You're not in control anymore. I have these desires and I have these wants, but I see that is different than how it was meant. It's different than how it was designed. There's an architect of my soul. There's blueprints for my soul. And they say I was meant to do this. It feels, it feels like I should lie right here. And it feels like it would earn me, you know, a customer or get me a leg up. But you know what? I see the blueprint of my soul says, no, don't be dishonest. That's going to eat away at you like poison. And that, that's going to ruin you. Don't do that. I'm going to go with what I'm meant to do. Not what I want to do, what I'm meant to do. And I'm going to take myself and say, you're no longer in control. You get off the throne. Jesus, you sit on the throne. And you get to rule. You get to be in control. And if you'll do that, you'll find that his service is perfect freedom that you will get something for yourself that you've never felt before. You've never been so free. Then to say, Jesus, I allow you to rule and you'll find a blueprint for your life that is fantastic. It's filled with compassion. It's filled with honor. It's filled with nobility and wisdom and integrity and, and adventure. And it's, it's the best blueprint you could ever want. This is how Jesus says it. If you continue my word, you do what I say, then you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. For if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed.